It is 11.04. The Dr. Payne Show is here, and your phone calls. Bring them on, 416-870-6400-640 on sale. You have some issues, something's been bothering you physically, you can't figure it out, you want some answers, or at least get uh, a little bit of a head start, uh, give us a call. Uh, info at paincarecanada.com, by the way, is the uh, email address. My sister, you know her. She treated, she treated you when you were a kid. You used to come to the doctor's office. Yeah, my, she was at my pediatrician's yeah, office. Yeah, Her back for the last three, four days has been a nightmare. A nightmare, Just really? got some x-rays done. I think yeah. she's seen somebody at the office before. Yeah, well, she's coming. Oh, different sister, Cammie, the other one. Oh, yeah. Cammie, okay. Yeah, the one that yeah. used to run the office when you were yeah. a little kid. Yeah, yeah, coming. yeah. yeah I said, you got to come see you. Back yeah. pain, man. Everybody's got freaking lower back pain. I, I've got lower back pain. Yep. I think you have lower back Always. pain. It's just what what degree of lower back pain yeah, does right. someone have? And actually, it's funny you say that. My sister a few weeks ago never never had back pain in her life. Just nothing. She did some. She doesn't even know what she did. She yep. just all of a sudden completely threw out her back, like full antalgic posture, which means you're offsetting. So it was likely a dish. She couldn't even bend her leg. It was yeah. it was horrible. Um, you know, thankfully me being her brother, she got treated for a full week straight. Like she, I saw her every single day. I actually treated her myself. And after a week, she was back to relatively normal, right? Because we've talked about this a lot where, although you may feel better, that doesn't necessarily mean that whatever the injury is or, or, uh, whatever's happened is necessarily fully healed. Um, so it's, it's a long ongoing recovery process, right? You can feel better pain wise, but that doesn't mean the underlying issue is gone. And that's where maybe you have to incorporate the rehabilitation stuff. So very much, um, part of her treatment in that first week was essentially just number one, managing her pain because it was excruciating. And, you know, the best way to manage that type of excruciating pain is, is medication, right? So she was on some, some heavy anti-inflammatories and muscle relaxants, um, we were also intervening with different types of physical therapy, acupuncture, things like that to, again, continue to control the pain, the inflammation and those things. And as all of that got better, uh, we were able to move more into the movement aspect of things, right? Because that's usually the progression overall. And I don't want to give away, you know, I'm not necessarily suggesting that physical therapy and all of these things is necessarily simple, but it, oftentimes or the way we look at it is control pain and inflammation in the beginning, get range of motion back, whatever's been lost, and then move on to strengthening and and stretching and those types mm-hmm. of things. And and that's essentially what we did with my sister was uh, we, we controlled the pain and the inflammation in the beginning. We got to the point where we started working back on the range of motion of her low back, her legs, and those things. And then from there, now she's been given uh, a program to do day-to-day. So uh, in order to prevent this from reoccurring or minimizing the chances of it reoccurring, because again, there there is no research that would suggest that you can do everything right. That doesn't mean that you're not going to experience something. Now, that doesn't e- that equally doesn't mean that just because you've had something, you will necessarily experience it. But the research is pretty clear that once you experience some type of injury or some type of trauma, uh, one time you are more likely to experience it again, and that and that goes up and up from there. And um, and so you know, with this being her first uh, true episode of this type of pain, I essentially just made her aware that you need to do the rehab stuff to minimize the reoccurrence of this. Now, minimizing the reoccurrence doesn't necessarily mean it's an all or none. It's not a black and white process. There's a lot of gray area. And what it essentially can mean is you may minimize the severity of a reaggravation or the intensity of it or the frequency and all of those things. But minimizing it in any way, nonetheless, is obviously going to be beneficial because right. if it is that bad, uh, you know, she couldn't go to work for a whole week. 
She mm-hmm. she she did not go to work for a whole week, and her livelihood depends on it. She's a hairdresser. She needs to be there. She needs to be seeing clients in order to to get money to make money to, to live. Be paid. Exactly. Yeah. And, and that is the case with a lot of people. A lot of people that, especially when you look at kind of the self employed service sector, um, and I actually find from a a clinical perspective, those are the people that often want to get better quicker. Well, they because, eat what they kill. They have to yeah, get out there. Yeah, right? they, they know what they're worth, and they know that, hey, it's all dependent on how much I do, how many hours I'm there. Um, and so that is a big thing where where you're looking at. And, and that's kind of where, you know, the psychology of people very much matters and how likely they are to get better. Yeah. And we've, you know, we've got, touched on this topic where what happens when someone hates their job? Is there a true motivation to get better and get back there, or right. or can they maybe milk you know, it a little bit? Yeah, and not I don't, in a negative I don't like way, to, but yeah, and and a lot of times it's a lot of these things are not necessarily. I always talk about this with with my colleagues. It's not malicious or not a conscious effort. Yeah, it's not a conscious effort. It's yeah. not like and and maybe and for sure there are some people that it is a malicious conscious effort. But I think the vast majority of people, it's not a malicious conscious effort all it is is that it's an underlying subconscious psychological factor that so comes into play yeah exactly yeah. and people that don't like their jobs don't like their lives have less to want to do for to to push to get better and i see it psychologically when i deal um with people and and you know it's an important factor to consider but that and that's the reason why when i've seen people who are self-employed or athletes, athletes. they want to yeah. get better right away and they're doing everything that you're telling them and i mean it's just incredible based on what I've seen in my career that it really is true. The people who want to get better get better quicker than the people who don't want to get better. And yeah. and that, again, brings us back to what your mental disposition is towards your life and towards everything in your life. Because what you think in your mind is what you will feel in your body is, is just the reality. If you have health questions, pain questions, bring them on here till uh, till noon, 416-870-6400, star 640 on sale. Dr. Lou is here to answer those right until the End of that time, the Dr. Pain Show, Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. Yeah, you got plenty of time to call in. If you have uh, pain questions, uh, bring them on. We'd love to uh, to talk to you this morning. Yeah, injury, so I said health to, uh, questions, injury, health uh, questions, every, anything, anything. Yeah, bring them on. So I said, uh, yeah, to my sister in law, I said, if it gets to the point where you see Luigi, and um, he gives you a regimen of things to do, do it. This yeah. is where people fall short. They'll do it a couple times, or they'll come for two or three treatments. Didn't help. Yeah. Yeah, it no, sucks. I did physio. It doesn't work. Yeah, absolutely. And it, it, it's actually something now. And this is a big thing. And I've seen a lot of people, even when I see like mainly my job that is become assessing people that I meet through here, through the radio yep. show. And I will often part of my history is what have you already done? Right. And people will say, oh, I've done therapy. And and it, that's a broad paintbrush. That's like, yes, I've done therapy, but it becomes, okay, well, number one, what have you exactly done in that therapy? Because you could be doing the wrong thing, not necessarily because you're doing the wrong thing. Maybe you haven't been advised of the right thing. Um, and then how many times have you done it? A lot of people expect miracles in a very short period of time. So, you know, I, I've met people that have had, you know, 10, 20 year history of, of some type of issue, whether whatever, call it low back pain. And they'll say they did therapy and I'll say, well, how much therapy did you do? Three weeks. It didn't work at all. Well, nice. that's a drop of water in the ocean. You know, like you're trying to offset 10 to 20 years of history of pain in a certain area and you're trying to offset that with potentially three weeks and now it's not just three weeks because how many times did you really go in those three weeks two times for an hour so we're talking a total of six hours or something like that um 
that that you're trying to compare to all of the last 20 years. The, it it's needs to be, yes, Nothing. it's negligible. It needs to be equivocal. There needs to be, and, and sometimes this is done poorly by the practitioner because, I mean, I know myself, my team, we outline these things. We, we outline goals. So when we start a treatment plan, we may very well say, okay, this treatment plan is three weeks. Here is our goal in three weeks. We're not necessarily looking for you to come back and say, yep, 100% better, never never felt so good. No, maybe we might say, okay, in three weeks, all we're looking for is that you haven't gotten worse. Yeah. Or in three weeks, we're looking for a 5% improvement. And at that point, we're going to reassess uh, nice. and following through. But the worst thing people can do, like there's so many people out there that are also doing multiple things at the same time with different people, and they're trying a little bit of everything. And you got a tug of war going on. Who's telling you to do this? Who's telling you to do that? And you're just one one piece of advice might be offsetting another piece of advice. What people need to understand about healthcare and 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 really any type of professional. It's the professional's interpretation of the issue that determines how they're going to intervene. And that doesn't just apply to healthcare. You could take two lawyers that are dealing with the same estate, for example, if they're trying to settle an estate, mm -hmm. and they might have different views to go about that. Same as if you took two different accounting uh, accountants trying to figure out some type of tax planning for an individual. They will have different opinions. Right. Oftentimes, you're leaving it in the hands. They have a body of knowledge, but they're an independent professional. And, and the point of being a professional is that you have that body of knowledge and you're leaving it up to the professional to interpret it and somehow intervene. And that happens in healthcare too. No two physiotherapists are necessarily going to treat something the same or two chiropractors or two surgeons. They may have different ways to look yeah. at it. Um, and I'm not saying that the different ways are wrong, but if you've got someone trying something and then someone else on the other tried trying something else on the opposite end of the spectrum, all you're doing is, is a tug of war. And oftentimes these people don't want to admit to their practitioners, I'm also seeing this person and that yeah. person. You should be telling them that because at least the professional can say, okay, well, what are they doing with you? Because at least I can at the very least try to go along the same lines or I may very well you know, notice something that you're not realizing a red flag and bring that to your attention. And maybe I can communicate with that other professional. Um, so that's very important that, you know, people are on the same page where we live in a time and an age where no one professional can achieve everything. You often need to see multiple professionals in order to get the desired outcomes that you're looking for. But what needs to happen is good communication between those professionals. And they all have to be on the same page that way they're intervening at the very least in a with with a similar outcome in mind and that's the big thing it doesn't necessarily need to be identical but the outcome that they're aiming for needs to be the same i just find it it's amazing that the practitioners are so dedicated like like yourself to their patients but the patient has no problem binge watching the entire series of game of thrones diligently every night at eight o'clock because it's easy with a bowl of popcorn. Yeah, it's, it's but absolutely. Their, but their physical well-being puts yeah. some effort in. Yeah, and I mean, it is not rehabilitation and proper management of an injury, of pain, of, of your health is not something that is easy. And because it's not easy, oftentimes people don't do it. And, you know, again, going back to that often pain injury is not life-threatening. It's just more of a quality of life right. thing. Because when things are life-threatening, people tend to want, like, you know, if you're told you've got, I don't know, some whatever serious disease, but if you take this medicine at this time every day, it will help you to continue to live. Well, you're damn sure that that person's going to take it at that time, at that day, and do whatever it takes yeah. to do that because it's life-threatening. Yes. But when it comes to this side of what we deal with, which is 
pain, injury, which affects quality of life. Because, you know, there's not many people out there that are suffering from low back pain and then dying a week later. That just is not really what happens. It affects your quality of life. So it's not it's not something that's, you know, people people are very and, and this is psychologically in tune with us. This is being human. We are afraid of the things that can kill us and not very afraid of the things that can affect our lives. Right. And so uh, and we're just built that way for whatever reason. And we're probably built that way because we're designed for an age long, long ago, and we're not designed yet. Our minds are not yet caught up to where we are today. But quality of life is so important. Like, you know, why do you want to live, you know, the last 10, 20 years of your life suffering with some type of chronic issue if you can avoid that? And 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 a lot of it just falls on you need to do something. You need to do something daily in order to help that. And um and again, going back to athletes, these are great examples uh, of people who do these things. I remember reading once um, something about a Hulk Hogan, and I don't remember where I read it. Uh, but essentially, you know, Hulk Hogan's got to be what now? Close to 60, 70 years old? Got to be. Yeah. And I mean, he still goes to the gym avidly. He's always working out. And someone asked him in an interview, like, why are you still doing this? Like, why do you still put your body through this? And he basically said, because if he stops... His body falls apart. He's tried to stop because he wants to take it easy, but his pain levels, his injuries, they all just rush to to the forefront, and that's all that takes over his life. At least working out and continuing to be healthy and do those things keeps it at bay so he doesn't get lazy because he knows it will affect the quality of his right. life. And, and it's a pretty incredible thing. And a lot of athletes, a lot of high-end athletes that we see that stop performing and stop um, doing the things that they do, they often do fall into these chronic issues because your body becomes so used to being one way, yeah. and as soon as you're not that way, it's it's a big change, and 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 people just suffer the consequences of those things. So you know, when it does come to injuries, if if your professional has told you to do some type of exercise daily, that's often not hey, do it daily for two weeks and then never do it again. No, do it daily. Do it daily. This is part of your life now. Or, you know, you, you got to make the time to fit this in so yep. that that way you can live pain-free or at the least, again, minimizing the chance of aggravation, reoccurrence, severity, et cetera, et cetera. Rob says he, our call screener says he's 64. So, man, Hulk Hogan's 64. 64 years old and he's still it. going. And and I mean, it's and it's incredible why he's wow. still going and that's why he does it. It's to, to keep everything else at bay. Phone lines are open. You have questions, comments about what we're talking about. Pain, bring them on. Love to talk to you. Right till 12 o'clock, 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell. Brother. Dr. Pain Show, Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. It is 1122. Yeah, 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell. You have questions, comments, concerns about your health, about pain, bring them on. Dr. Lou is here to answer him until 12 o'clock. You know, it's funny you mentioned that, you know, quantity over quality of life. And uh, you also mentioned the severity of and how much, you know, quality and how much pain you're in. Because I, I said that to my uh, to my mom the other day who's she's got an autoimmune disease. And uh, she's okay. She's got bad knees. But she's okay. She's still running her own household. She still drives in to see us from Burlington. She's just turned 84 years old. Wow. And I said, why don't you take this? And she goes, I can't because of autoimmune disease. My liver can't take it. I go, Mom, right. no offense, but uh, you're 84. Like You're probably not <laughs> looking another 50 years here. I said, why don't you just take some what a, stuff? What a great son John Scholes right? is, eh? But, she, no, but she, 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 she gets it. But I said, why don't you just do that? Make it easier on yourself. And I said that. It's quantity over quality. She goes, wait till you're my age and you want to spend every moment you can with your kids and your grandkids. Yeah. I will take a little pain. Yeah. 
Yeah. So and, I can and live I'm longer. Not, now, I thought that was an interesting yes, perspective. Right? And I'm not saying that the quality of life is more important than the quantity. I'm saying you, I think our goal um, in the healthcare world should be not only to increase how long people live, but increase how long people live well. Yes. And and I think and that doesn't mean that you're you're free of anything like your mom, right? Like I think you're, what your mom is doing, that's exactly right. Like you find the balance, you find the balance, and and everything that you're going to do is a is is assessing pros and cons. And yeah, sure, if you can take a medication that might make your knee feel a little bit better, but it might potentially put you in liver failure. Yeah, maybe she's making the right choice, right? right? So um, I'm not suggesting that the the quality of life mm-hmm. is more important than the quantity. I'm suggesting that as we look at quantity of life and as we start to live longer, we should also be focused on the quality as well. And uh, there's a lot of people living the last 20, 30 years. Your mom is not the right example because she's living it the right way. She's still independent. She's doing those things. I'm talking about the people who are living the last 20 years of their life completely dependent on someone else and and, uh, unable to do anything, unable to spend time with their kids, with their grandkids, unable to enjoy the activities that they used to enjoy because they've just let everything build up so much and never taken care of it. Got to do it. Got to do it. Take care. We'll get to a uh, get to a call. Hey, Frank. Hi. Good afternoon. Hi, Doctor Lou. Hey. Uh, I'm calling on behalf of a friend of mine who kind of sustained a work-related injury. Okay. Uh, some time ago, and then that injury kind of repeated itself and repeated itself. Um, as a result, the MRI results, she's got uh, two torn muscles in his back as well as a bulging disc. Okay. Now he's been going to physio quite a bit, but he's finding that it's not helping. Okay. He's also seen an orthopedic surgeon. I mean, at this point, he's not suggesting or recommending surgery, but he's concerned that the, uh, the impact on the back is affecting his nerves. He's, he's wondering whether or not there's anything that exists to kind of remedy this thing and deal with it. Like, if it's non-surgical treatment, he's more than uh, prepared and willing to listen to what uh, you might have to offer. Cool. Yeah, I mean, it, again, there are a lot of different things, interventions from a musculoskeletal perspective, like a broad anything to do with nerves, discs, uh, muscles. There's a lot of different things that could be done. Uh, but, you know, the big thing that I always talk about is pinpointing what the issue is. And, uh, you know, I can't just generally say, well, here's what you can do for that, because I don't actually know enough about whatever's going on with your friend uh, in terms of what exactly is wrong and that is the most important part in all of this this is this is the part that changes everything you need to be able to completely identify what the pain generating source or structure is and from there you treat that the problem being a lot of times is that people are given imaging diagnoses so sometimes people see tears in shoulders and they say well this is the result of your pain and they're not correlating that clinically they're not looking at is that matching up with what a person with what a practitioner sees in the office and that's really where we try to be different we're not just interested in imaging we're interested in what the person presents like physically and functionally that day in our office and we're looking for is there a correlation between what you're seeing on imaging and what you're not here's here's a good example to just highlight that i've i've been for the last year or so suffering with uh nerve pain in both of my arms um it is most likely the result it is you know 99% the result of nerves in my neck and i'm aggravating it when when i've when i went to go for an mri though there's no bulging discs in my neck whatsoever but most people if they hear my symptoms any professional would say well it sounds like you have a bulge disc in your neck somewhere but on mri there's nothing 
And now that doesn't mean functionally when I do something different that maybe the disc is bulging and then retracting and things like that. But what I'm just trying to highlight here is that it's not always so clear cutting. You have to assess the person physically as well. So, you know, are there things that can be done for your friend? Yeah, absolutely. Um, what that is, I'm unsure because I would need to be able to pinpoint exactly what the 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 problem is, and and that's where the benefit of the assessment with me uh, really comes in. Okay, so so this would be in addition to and above and beyond the MRI results. So you do things differently in terms of getting to the specific uh, what you see from the stated symptoms and what you observe during op- observation. Yeah, we're gonna we you know every patient that I see, I re- I essentially go through a very thorough history, which is I a history is me sitting down and talking. This is where I do my detective work. I'm essentially trying to build a differential list. The differential list means I'm I'm talking to someone, and signs and symptoms start to suggest different types of diagnoses. So as I'm talking to someone, I may be building a list of four or five things that this really sounds like. Then I'm going to move into a physical exam, which often includes, always includes things like range of motion, like how's that area moving, what are muscles are tight, what muscles are not, are the joints tight, uh, neurological exam, which is very, very important, orthopedic exam, et cetera, et cetera. And that's where I'm, I'm essentially starting to rule in and rule out those different uh, differentials that I had. And then I'm also reviewing whatever information there is. So you're put, essentially, to put it simply, I'm putting the pieces of the puzzle together. You can't can't just look at one piece and see the whole picture and and you can't just look at an MRI because the job of a radiologist is to give you everything they see but that's not necessarily what always causes the person's problems I will definitely recommend them to you thank, thank you, so much, you. Dr. Thanks, Frank. Appreciate that. one 855 drlou is the number. Info at paincarecanada.com. Lines wide open until 12. Bring it on. you got pain questions, concerns. Dr. Lou here to answer them. 416-870-6400. Star 640 on your cell. Dr. Pain Show. This is Global News Radio. 640 Toronto. 1131. Dr. Pain Show. Global News Radio. 640 Toronto. Get that consultation happening. Cost you nothing. No, no, it's a it's a phone call. Uh, we're gonna have a discussion. I mean that that these are always the examples of what the consultation is. You're just gonna go through um, questions with me on you know exactly what it is going on. Obviously, like I think it should just make very good sense to anybody. In order for me to give you a specific answer, like some people have called for the free consultation, and that means they're gonna get a diagnosis, everything in it. And I'm talking about, you know, like one out of a hundred. This is not the, I think the majority of people get this, but some people call and through the free consultation, they want me to tell them what's wrong, what they should be doing. It's like, I can't do that. Like, not because I don't want to, it's just not even possible. Like I need to see somebody, if you have a shoulder and here's, and here's the problem with a lot of practitioners. You've heard me ask this to patients where they, or, or people when they've called in and they say, yeah, I was at the doctor and they told me this, this, and this about my shoulder. And I say, Mm -hmm. did they even move your shoulder up? Nope. Didn't even touch it. Well, well, you know, come on. It's a sh- it's shoulder pain. You, yeah. you need to move the shoulder around in order to figure it out because you're going to stress different structures. And any practitioner that knows what they're doing is going to grab that area of the body and they're going to stress the different structures in that area to figure it out. 416-870-6400, star 640 on your cell. Thomas, good morning. Hi, good morning. How are you? Good, sir. What's going on? Uh, yeah, so I've been to the doctor. He sent me for an MRI. Uh, I got a bulged uh, disc, my lower right disc. Okay. I just want to know, um, I've been going to Cairo, maybe it helps me that day, but then it just aggravates me the rest of the week. 
Okay. Um, and I, I fell off a ladder in December, um, and I've had this pain. And then I have also a corresponding, uh, my right testicle also has like a very uh, pain ever since I also fell. They all also said that you tear, maybe you like tore it, maybe you did this and that. But no, it's definitely not that. It definitely made this the pain the same time. Is that hitting a nerve root? Uh, where did they say your disc bulge was? My my lowest right disc. Yeah, so so exactly, and th and this is the point where I try to make to to people when you look at um you know what you see on imaging. Now again, I don't know enough about your history right now, but I'm just going to give you a little bit of background. The the nerves that supply the genitalia in that area is a little bit higher up than the lowest disc. So you're probably talking about L5S1. So that already to me doesn't start to correlate, right? And that's, and that's what I mean. Someone who knows their anatomy, knows their physiology can correlate those things right away. And, you know, if you said my disc bulge is around L1, L2, I'd say, well, you know, you it may be hitting the pudendal nerve, which is the nerve that goes to the genitals. And yeah, maybe it makes sense. So right off the bat, it, you know, I'm not so sure that your bulge disc is necessarily the result of your pain. You can have a bulge disc. Tons of people have bulging discs that are asymptomatic, never cause them problems. The only reason they know they have them is because they had an MRI for whatever other reason. And so that might be your similar case. Maybe you've aggravated the muscles where the nerves pass through, right? Because a lot of those nerves have to pass through a lot of muscles in order to get where they're going. And a lot of times, just tight muscles and tension on muscles can mimic a disc issue. So th this, you highlight a very important point here where not necessarily what someone tells you, like you can't just say, oh, it's a bulge disc and that's the result of all your pain. There, there might even be multiple issues going on, right? You might have two different diagnoses, something to do with the testicle and something to do with the low back. So, um, Again, this is where I need to assess somebody. I need to go through that full history. I need to review all the relevant documents that you already have. And then I need to do my physical exam in order to start to put the piece of the puzzles all together so that we can see the full picture. Okay, yeah. I've taken an x-ray, I think, below my right shoulder blade. Is that L5? They said there's a um, noticeable separation between the discs. I do also have that. Uh, would that, would that also... Uh, yeah, I, I mean, below your shoulder blade is not L5. Um, it's T-something, right? Yeah, that would be in the thoracic area. Yeah, yeah. I, I had the paperwork at home, no. yeah. Yeah, okay. so I'd have to, again, I'd have to review all that stuff, and that's why that's all, you know, very important. Okay. Okay? All right, perfect. I appreciate all your help. No problem. Thomas, thanks uh, for reaching out. one 855 Dr. Lou, D-R-L-O-U, or email as well, info at paincarecanada.com. Keith, morning. Good morning, guys. I, I talked to you last week from the hospital, doctor. Oh, okay. Yeah. I was in with uh, kidney troubles. Yep. Um, I got out uh, two days ago. Uh, I'm probably going to end up on dialysis. My main question is this arthritic pain. Is there anything I can do that isn't going to hurt my kidneys further? My, my kidney test numbers should be around a 90. They came back at a 6. I was in the hospital for a week when I called you. Yeah. Um, um, I, I, Keith, I won't. I can't comment on what you could do that might not hurt in your kidneys because I don't know enough of your history. Like again, this is this is where I need to sit down with someone and understand the full extent of everything going on. My my recommendation for you would be the exact same as it was last week. You need to follow up with whoever it is that's dealing with you, whoever your primary healthcare provider is. 
um, and have that discussion with them because they know the extent of your history. I, I'm not sure what may or may not hurt you because I don't know enough. All I know about you is that you were in the hospital and that you're saying you may be on dialysis due to your kidney function, but I don't know, uh, again, the extent of the history that's important to make that type of recommendation. Well, I've been dealing with them for years, and it, it's, it's I just sick of hurting, that's all. Is there, there's no way to stop hurting. Yeah, again, that that's a very loaded question, and I think I went through this last week, where when you look at when people talk about hurting, hurting doesn't just happen at the physical level, it can also happen at the psychological level. And when you've been hurting for so long, both of those things come into play. So, you know, maybe you've done a lot of the things towards the physical level, maybe you haven't towards the psychological level, or maybe you have. I'm not sure. Again, this is the point that I don't know enough about you, enough about your history to comment on those things. But you, you need to you need to, I mean, I'm happy if you want to call me and we can speak off air and I can get a better sense of these things. But I, I can't comment when you call me for five minutes on the radio show last week yeah. and, and, you know, five minutes today. I, I, I cannot comment on exactly what you should or should not be doing. Okay, I understand the mental, but the mental isn't going to switch the twisted joints and, and deform bones. That isn't in my mental no, but those those twisted joints and those deformed things send a message to your brain. It works the other way around. Yeah, right? it works the other yeah. way around. I'm I'm not saying that. Y- I'm ne- I never say that an issue is only purely mental. Ever now, it can be in certain uh, populations of certain patients. But I'm not suggesting that. I'm just I'm just trying to highlight when you said to me right now when you say I just want to stop hurting. Uh, I'm hurting is not just. A physical phenomenon it could be also psychological and I mean I'm pretty good like I have a lot of training I'm not a psychologist or anything but I've done a lot of training throughout my education in psychology and already like you know I'm starting to get the sense of there must be some underlying psychological um, trauma that's happened just by the very nature that you called me last week and this week but nowhere in between to talk to me personally and so you know, th- that is all the things that I take into co- consideration when I speak with someone. And I think there's more here. And and again, I it's not the right platform in order for me to answer your question on, is there something you can do on the radio? Call me, call me in between uh, the shows and let's, let's discuss. Keith, again, one 855 doctor Lou D-R-L-O-U. Use that number and info at paincarecanada.com. More Dr. Pain Show on the way and phone lines are open for you as well. Got 20 minutes till we... Uh, Take it for another day, 416-870-6400-STAR-640 on your cell. You can also get a hold of Dr. Lou when the show is not here, of course. one 855 Dr. Lou D-R-L-O-U, info at paincarecanada.com. So after this, I have the pleasure of going to help my niece and her husband move. This nice. should be good for my Nice. Pa- this is going to be excellent. Like it, we, There comes a time and uh, an age when your back becomes to a point where it's like, when you're thinking about doing this in the next hour, you're you're watching every time you take a step, every box you pick up, yep. because you cannot be carefree anymore. 
No, but I think I think that's important though, right? Yeah, I think the way you're thinking about it is the right way. It's it's actually more, you know, it's funny when you look at a lot of research, uh people that throw out their backs never at the gym. It's it's not that it's never at the gym. Like it's we can never use absolutes, but right. the amount of people that we see that come in that say, you know, I threw out my back brushing my teeth or Picking up putting on my socks or something <laughs> something mundane where you're like, really? Like in the average person would be like, really? Yeah. And the reason why that happens is because it all has to do with support and stabilization. Yeah. Those are the periods that you don't think you need to support and stabilize, right? You're not you're not brushing your teeth hanging over the sink thinking, hey. I better watch my low back here, and I better Your make guard sure. Is down, right? Yeah, I, I better guard it and make sure that it's uh, it's safe. You don't realize that versus people who are going to do something like you're about to do, and they know they have an underlying issue. They make a point of saying, like, "Hey, I know that I've got, <coughs> excuse me, low back pain issues, and I need to be cognizant of the way I bend and twist today when I'm picking up those boxes. I need to be aware of right. I can't lift more than X amount of weight." Per lift, I need to take a break every 15 or 20 minutes. You know, you're aware of these things. And I think that that's important uh, when you sustain some type of injury. It's not that you should never do anything else ever again. You should just be aware of it. The reality is, though, is you should be aware of it all the time, even in the yeah. mundane scenarios. And those are the, the the scenarios where people throw out their backs where they don't realize mm-hmm. it. Now, that doesn't mean like, you know, we equally get a ton of people that come in and say, no, I was shoveling snow or, uh, you know, I was moving something and I threw out sure. my back. Sure. If you make the wrong move, you do the right wrong thing. You're absolutely going to throw it out. But make sure you do the right things. And if you do have to be active in those types of activities, like for you, if you if you're asking me what your day should be like today, you have, a, you know, a predisposition, a low back pain. What can you do? You know, obviously, I'm going to say avoid bending at the low back. Use your hips and your knees. Uh, don't twist. If you need to turn around, turn your feet, like shift your whole body in order to put that box down. Keep whatever weight you're lifting closer to the center of mass, right? Like if you're holding a box straight out on your arms, that is heavier than if you hold it close to your chest because it becomes part of your center of mass. So keep things close to the center of mass. Don't lift excessive weight, right? If you if something is really heavy, you need a team. Or maybe you need some type of a tool like a buggy or something like that. And this is essentially when we, when I go into workplaces and talk to people who are in you know construction and physical labor types of jobs, these are the recommendations that I make. These are the things that really prevent the injuries. They're not overly complicated. Every 15 to 20 minutes, you should be taking a rest or whenever you feel tired. If if you if you just took a rest and 5 minutes later you're feeling tired again, take another rest. Like you don't you shouldn't push your body to a limit that it doesn't need to go. Um or if you're sitting at a desk every 15 minutes, get up and walk around. Exactly. Right? And then people say, oh, but even 15 minutes, my back feels stiff. Fine. Get up every seven minutes. Like, yep. you know, like there's no, this is, these are not, these are not the Ten Commandments. They're not, they're not set in stone. Like, you know, you need to listen to your body and what your body tells you. And if your body's telling you, no, I, I can't do this. The other thing sometimes the reality is too, is like today, if you're moving, if if you get to a certain point where you're like, hey, no, I'm done, I think you should just be honest with whoever it yeah. is and say, this is it. Like, I, I can't do anymore right now. And I think that's another problem. People psychologically try to go above and beyond where they should be going. And yeah. and sometimes it's just about being honest and saying, I can't. I know what the rest of my, the rest of my week will be like if I continue. And, and you need to listen to your body. And 
I say that all the time, even when people tell me, you know, they come in with an injury, what is it that I should or should not be doing? And, and I tell them, there's no secret because your body's going to tell you what you should or should not be doing. Right. If you do something and it hurts, that is what you should not be doing. If you do something and you feel fine overall and overall you're getting better, then that's probably something that you could do. But you need to gauge everything that it is that you do um, and be aware if you have these underlying, even if you don't have an underlying injury and you're going to do something like you're doing, my recommendation would be the same to someone who doesn't yes. have a history of low back pain. Don't start. Don't with. bend, don't twist, bet, use your hips, use your knees, keep things center mass, heavy weights distribute amongst other people with a, a, and, and a combination lift or use the available tools that you might have like buggies and trolleys, et cetera. All this or being, hire a moving company. All this being said, <laughs> if there's no beer and pizza, then you know it's a moot point. Screw them; they can move themselves. Yeah, exactly. If there's a, if you're gonna help someone move, you gotta have something. There's gotta end, be sustenance. Sure. Well, uh, you, I mean, you said uh, I think it was a show or two shows ago that uh, they did a survey at Home Depot. And everybody, you remember when they first came to Canada? Everyone had those back braces on. You're like, wow, that's yeah. a smart idea. Yeah, not smart. No, it was a big retro, uh, retrospective study that they looked at. So what they saw is they implemented those support belts because. Yep. Obviously, people working at Home Depot, lifting things, doing things, sure. hurt their backs. And so, I, you know, it made very good sense. Well, let's give them a support for their low back. Um, and what they were able to find was, hang on, our, people are getting hurt even more. And they couldn't understand it. And essentially, when they actually looked at it and, and the physiology, the anatomy, what they found is once you use an external support, your body, your body is designed like, oh, great. to be lazy if you yeah. make it lazy. Like it will conserve energy at any cost. If you give your low back something to support itself that is not your muscles, guess what? Your muscles are going to say, "Peace, I'm out of here. I'm not. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not going to be the one responsible. I'm going to conserve some energy." So those people were actually getting hurt at home when they're not wearing the belt. So in those mundane tasks, bending down to put on a sock or brushing their teeth, they're throwing out their backs because they've habituated their muscles. To, to feel like they don't need to work because they have this support when they're doing all these other heavy things. So your body just says, well, heck, if I've got something that supports me when I'm doing the heavy things, when I'm doing nothing or something very, very simple, I don't need to do anything. So your body is designed to, to that is conservation of energy is, is, prime, is primary. Your body will do whatever it can to conserve energy. And if you give it something, which is the reason why I'm not a fan of a lot of different types of supports. Now, I am a fan in certain types of activities. Like, you know, if someone does deadlifting as an activity, you should be wearing a belt, yeah. right? Like that, that there's, there's points where, yes, you should. But I've met people who come in with, low, with neck pain and say, I, I, should I be wearing a brace? Absolutely not. Like, absolutely not. Not for mechanical neck pain. Like, you, you used to see that 30 years ago, people walking around with some yeah. type of a brace because they threw out their neck. That that never happens anymore. That's only going to make you worse. Um, and so, you know, even sometimes people with their knees, they'll say, like, should I be wearing this? It makes me feel better. Hey, your, your knee's going to get used to something there. And when you're not wearing it, that's the dangerous yeah. part. But that doesn't mean always. Some people do need braces. Like, you know, if you have a torn ACL and you want to participate in your activity, you, brace it up. you need to brace that yeah. up. Yeah, okay. How many guys I've seen doing wrist curls and walking on the treadmill wearing a, wearing a back belt? What? Yeah. What? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 416-870-6400-STAR-640 on cell. you still got a few minutes to call in if you wish. Ask about your pain, your concerns till 12 o'clock. Dr. Payne Show, Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. And still a... Uh, few moments to go here. You have time. If you have a, a question, slide it in there. 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell. When we're not uh, doing the radio show here 
on your Saturday morning. It's info at paincarecanada.com and one eight five 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 doctor Lou. D-R-L-O-U. People still get confused. Not realizing if you do L-U, there's a number missing. That's funny. Dr. Right? Lou. It wouldn't it wouldn't uh wouldn't work. What's but, the Lou for the bathroom in England? Is that L E W, Dr. Lou? I don't know. That's L O O. L L O. Oh right, the Lou. Oh, well, don't, it's not L O. No, no, it's, it's not L O O. That'll take you to a completely different website. Yeah. We don't talk about that one. <laughs> I wonder, eh? No, you don't. You probably know. <laughs> Call that and yeah, if it, if you don't hear my voice, <laughs> hang that one up right You've away. Got the wrong Those one. Those ones cost about four dollars a minute. Yeah. <laughs> so you're starting to see summer injuries at the clinic. Uh, a lot of oh, people starting. Have, yeah, we're, really summer's are. done. Yeah, we're almost in August. Where the summer's depressing. over. Yeah, and now. Yeah, it is actually depressing. Every time I remember being a student, anytime we'd get to like the end of July, I'd be like, it's over. Yeah. And people would be like, you still have another month. I'm like, it's no, over. It's over. It's over. Yeah. It all, Night's it, already starting to get yeah, shorter. It all depressing. Happens, it happens. It's cooler, right? Like think about three weeks ago. It was like yeah. scorching hot. Today, this morning, what was it? 18 degrees or something. It's, like, it's over. It's done. Get your snow tires. Now, we're, we're going to have to talk about shoveling snow soon. That, that's the injury we're going to be focusing <laughs> we're on. We're so far back. Hopefully not too, too soon. No. No. I'm hoping... January, February. But you're probably getting a lot of golf injuries. In now. Oh, yeah, I've got my own golf injuries. I, I see guys. I mean, maybe it's because I feel it because I have a back injury, even though I've never golfed. I see either an amateur or a pro, anybody do that full swing and that twist. I'm like, oh, it makes me cringe just looking at it. Well, it's funny. I was, I was golfing yesterday with a friend of mine, and he actually had to have low back surgery. I think it was about four or five years ago. It's like Freddie Couples. Yeah, and he's a young guy. He's 25 years old. Like, wow. He's a great golfer, great golfer. But he puts so much force. So when you look at the golf swing, in order to generate force, you have to use a lot of lower body. He puts so much force through his lower body that he ended up throwing doing that versus me. I have very bad hips from a, from a, uh, issues that I had growing up. So I have arms? no lower body. I'm all upper body, and yeah. I've got neck injuries from golf. So wow. no so kidding. it really depends. Yeah, that the monotonous swing, like it's one swing pattern, right? Like that's... Golf is doesn't matter what you're holding; it's the same swing pattern, right? right. So you're you're gonna swing, and it's that that's repetitive work, right? Like yes. that'd be no different than me sitting somewhere else for Putting five hours. On something exactly, yeah, yeah for yeah. sure. So yeah, it's you got to take into consideration your body type, all those things. You need to know when to break. Like I know I've been able to find like I can't do more than one time a week or anything like that because it, right. it'll just aggravate me too much. Wow. Yeah, and so I just listen to my body. And look at a guy like Tiger with the rotation of that spine. When well, he, he went through a lot, but he had an amazing run at the Open. Yeah, He was back on the Sunday. He was on the leaderboard there yeah. for, for a little bit. And it's turned into a golf show. Hey, Paul, how are you, pal? Good, you? Good. What's going on with you? Well, I just want I work out, you know, three or four times a week. And uh, I don't know, maybe I've, I've done something by uh, doing some um, uh, bench in the wrong way or something. I don't know what I've done. But now going on for about six, seven months. When I sleep on my side, I get a lot of pain in my shoulder. Mm-hmm. And uh, if I try to move my arms back, like if I'm in the front seat of the car and I try to reach back, I get a lot of pain that way. Yeah. So I'm just wondering if I've done something serious. I, I don't know. You know, you probably have done something for sure because otherwise you wouldn't be feeling anything. I mean, things like reaching back, those are the things that I always tell people to avoid because you know, that's just not what your shoulder is designed for. It's not designed to reach back, things like that. But, I mean, yeah, you probably did something at the gym. You probably aggravated something. And if you're not taking care of it, it's likely just going to get worse. You know, that's what it sounds like. I'd have to, again, look at you, assess you in order to, um, you know, to pinpoint that to be certain. 
Uh, and, you know, from there, we, we can figure out what are the things that you can do so that it doesn't become a nuisance and that you can treat it. But it's always best to treat these things in the beginning when they're not very, very severe. Like, you're, like it doesn't sound like something that's absolutely severe for you. And that's good, right? Because it's, it's the mild things that become the moderate things that become the severe things. And you really want to treat it when it's in the mild phase because that's when it is definitely easiest. Right. Is there something that's... Uh obviously i got to do that is there something that's uh a common injury when you uh in the shoulders with working out with like bench yeah. press and things like that yeah yeah i mean one of the things that i'll often see with that is what's called a posterior capsule impingement so um how do you explain this on the radio it's essentially the capsule that encloses the uh the joint often gets tight for whatever reason depending on the activity and it's just a matter of releasing that capsule and and doing some stretching and things like that that tends to help so you know maybe something like that but that's not me telling you that you have posterior capsule you could equally have a torn muscle you could have impingement somewhere else you might have severe arthritis or moderate arthritis like there's so many different things in the shoulder it could be one of 30 or 40 different things uh it can also you can also get again Every, I always consider this. You can get referral pains from organs to different parts of your body, right? So right shoulder, gallbladder, liver. Now, nothing that you're saying sounds like that, but it's always something that I consider. Uh, so, you know, it could, it could be one of so many different things, and that's where the assessment is, is important and helps me to isolate which one of those so many things is it. Oh, I see. Yeah. I better get in then. You better get in. Great idea. There you go. Paul, appreciate that. It's 1-855-55-DR-LOU, D-R-L-O-U, and info at paincarecanada.com. You've said this before we wrap that. That shoulder's weird because it's the one joint in the body that really, except for maybe the scapula, has no other support. No, that's it's, it's, being, it's being held there. Like you could take off, you know, all the muscles around your elbow. It somehow fits together like a, a puzzle piece. Yeah. You take off the muscles off of that shoulder, your arm's falling right to the ground. Yeah. So, uh, you, you know, the thing being here and and... Paul's call highlights this. People need to realize that shoulder pain is not just the result of one thing or or low back pain is not the result of just one or two different things. Like it's not, is it either this or is it either that? Mm-hmm. There's so many different things that it could be. And pain is just a, is, is a symptom and a sign, right? So, you know, and I, I, I use the analogy all the time. If someone says to me, I have a fever, I'd say, okay, well, Why? Yeah. What's going on? Like your body's in fever. Like, do you have an infection? Do you have something more serious going I have on? Sciatica. Yeah. yeah. So you have pain. We need to figure out what yeah. is causing your pain. Is it a certain muscle? Is it a certain joint? Is it a certain nerve? Is it a, another structure that's there? Is it potentially something more serious? Right. You need to underline and pinpoint what the exact issue is. Start pinpointing. Make that phone call. Get an assessment. Go see Dr. Lou. One eight five 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 five. Dr. Lou, D-R-L-U, info at paincarecanada.com. Till next time, Dr. Pancho, Global News Radio, 640 Toronto.